This is episode number 195. How would you describe your experience of watching a movie with Lauren Ammon? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. for. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. I will not repeat the same joke that I made about us being rivals again. I'll save that for a different time. But, (laughs) um, you know, this theme and this topic that I wanted to have a conversation and discussion with you about revolves around how do we view movies. And just based on my experience of knowing who you are, it seems that you share a similar lens to kind of how I view certain films. I can genuinely say that in today's day and age, I no longer view movies for what they are, but rather I see it as this connection to life. I see a lot of metaphors and things that I come um, that are relatable to everyday life. And so I'm curious to hear kind of from your perspective to kick off this conversation. When you watch movies, what do you see? Well, I think it's similar to what you just said as you start, I've started to see much more beyond just the entertainment value. And the idea of how life imitates art or art imitates life and really starting to see how movies and or TV shows, right? I mean, you know, mm. there have been some ones that I've watched recently that have just hit me from a, a very deep, soulful level of, oh my goodness, these are more than just getting us to laugh or getting us to cry. It's, it's, it's about really teaching me kind of what it means to continue down this human journey. And, mm. you know, one of the examples, and, and you and I have talked about this, is I was just recently watching Harry Potter with my son, and I've seen the movies before. I've read the books, right? You know, when you read a book, it's a little bit more of a different journey. You almost kind of get hit maybe a little bit harder from um, a connection point of view or, or a metaphor mm. for life. But when you watch the movies, you kind of just want to see the book come to life. But when you get to see the characters actually perform and, and, and personified, they bring so much more to the metaphor. And I was just blown away. I mean, it's been almost (laughs) 20 years since I've read Harry Potter, right? I guess. Yeah. And 
I, I, I just started to cry because I thought, oh my goodness, like here's this lesson that I learned 25 years ago, but now I get to see it from a totally different lens in my life. And it just hit me. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's so much in the entertainment world that we don't maybe necessarily give it credit for sometimes. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that happens? Do you think it's actually because the intention of whoever's producing it changes? Or you just happen to be at a different chapter of your life where your focus has shifted onto whatever it is that you're focusing on now compared to what it was 20 years ago? I think it's more of the latter because I, based on, you know, as, as you did more kind of in the entertainment industry, right? The producers, directors, the storytellers, they, they want you to get a story, but it's really, a, it's really incumbent upon us to find what that story is and to translate it to who and what we are. Um, and I think I'm just at a different point in my life where I, I'm, I'm in a better position, maybe a more conscious position to appreciate what they're trying to tell me, as opposed to just sitting in front of the TV and just zoning out, you know, <laughs> you know, and just and finding there, an <laughs> yeah, and finding the escape from life. But, you know, when you go to find the escape from life, sometimes you realize they're teaching you a lesson, lesson that maybe you weren't conscious enough that you were looking for. Or you're, it just hits your intuition. You're like, oh, well, that was totally it. That's what I wanted to hear in this moment. Or that's what the universe wanted me to hear right now. So I think it's more about I've changed versus they've changed. Do you go into those experiences with a specific intention when you watch a film? Like, oh, I want to get X, Y, and Z out of it. Or, no. or like actively look for some sort of question to which you get an answer to? No, I have it to date. I mean, there isn't, there isn't one that I can think of that I've gone in and thinking, oh my goodness, this is what I want to get out of it. But I can tell you the ones that I've seen in the last 10 years probably have given me more lessons than I ever would have imagined. <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> I recently watched um, Benjamin Button oh, yeah. and I was just blown away by the whole concept of just reverse aging and how it works. But the other thing that really stood out to me from it, that um, kind of a rabbit hole to go down on, it's this whole concept of looking at the sequencing of events and how, I guess, one could make a theory that everything is interconnected. Mm -hmm. So for example, like if you didn't drink your coffee this morning the way that you did, you might not have done the X, Y, and Z task. And then, you know, this call might've been pushed back and whatever else. And for me, like those things are fascinating, but at the same time, you know, as I said, it's a rabbit hole because there's no, it's very difficult to articulate, like, where is the origin mm -hmm. of those events and which one can you influence in order to be able to have a different trajectory or a different experience when it comes to life? Yeah. And, and I don't know, think there's I, a way of knowing that. Yeah. And, and you know, I always love your questions. They always get me to think. So one, I've never seen Benjamin Button, though I know the premise. Um, but what came up for me, as you said, that is the idea of the butterfly effect, right? So the, mm -hmm. the flaps of a butterfly thus set multiple things into motion. And without that, you know, everything down the line may not have happened or the way that it was intended. I mean, I'm with you. I don't know where this, the origin comes from. And you know, the more I read about kind of really setting intention, I think the source is just the force of life that 
we just get to experience. And uh -huh. it's the influential point that says in that moment, hitting the instinct of the butterfly to flap its wing, right? If we're using that metaphor and then setting these things into motion. Mm. How do you understand life at this point? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not sure that I do. And I say that with every ounce of appreciation because I, I don't know that I want to make it my goal in life to understand life. And by that, I mean, it helps me to, to stay. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, at arm's length of life. And by that, meaning not trying to influence everything. And, and what I always say, and what was part of my um, coaching certification was to be an equal participant and observer of life. Mm. Meaning I know it's happening to me, but that I also have enough consciousness to kind of take a step back and say, okay, I know it's happening to me, but how can I look at this from a completely different lens by not being in it? Uh -huh. And so I think I kind of want to keep an arm's length away from what life means to me right now. I kind of just want to experience it and uh -huh. see what it's going to teach me. What changed for you? Like, why did you adapt to that point of view? Did you, did you live through a different lens before and then something just wasn't really sticking for you and you said, okay, there's got to be another way and then you've adapted to this new one or did you always have this perspective? No, I did not have this perspective. Um, I've come to believe that it is my innate perspective but I couldn't access it before. Um, really the turning point for me was I probably about two years ago uh, in my life at the time, I was extremely angry and resentful and judgmental. Uh, and I've come to find out it was because I was just living life as opposed to trying to be intentional with life. And I was extremely upset with my job and, you know, kind of that age old story of being trapped or feeling trapped and bored with your job and feeling out of alignment. And I remember thinking to myself, this just isn't me. The way that I'm living my life right now is not who I am or the way I'm supposed to be quote unquote. Right. Um, and so it's not until I went into my coaching certification where there was this new found language around how I was showing up and how I can show up differently. And then I always have a choice in how I show up. And, and the, just someone saying, you always have a choice in how you show up just blew my mind completely wide open and really helped me to deal with those times where I felt like a victim or that I couldn't get out of anything. And then more importantly, the times when I was really angry and resentful and how I can shift that energy to work for me as opposed to against me. Do you think those things come in stages? As in what I mean by that is the victimhood mentality. And the reason why I say it is because as I reflect back upon my own life, there were certainly situations where I looked at those circumstances and I almost in a way like blame myself, you know, like how could I think this way or how could I have done the things that I have when in reality, what I began to realize and embrace along the way is just choosing to embrace the journey for what it was because I had to have those experiences in order to have the perspective that I have now. And I think there's a, there has been a tendency for me based on my personal experience to, you know, have that shame, that guilt, that embarrassment, of like, I can't believe I did that. When in reality, it's like, those are the things I had to go through mm -hmm. in order to be able to get to this point. Have you exper experienced a similar thing in your life? Oh, absolutely. 
And I always say, like, I, I, similar to you, I've, I've felt the guilt and shame and those shoulda, would, should, would, could all over myself. Um, and similar to you, I wouldn't be this version of Lauren today if I hadn't had those experiences. But what I often tell my clients is, wow, you didn't have that level of awareness that you do now, right? That the version of who you were in that moment was the most you could access. Yeah. And, you know, finding grace in those moments of, yeah, I, I wasn't the version. I, and I firmly believe we evolve every single day, almost every single minute in terms of we just gain another piece of awareness and another piece of knowledge about ourselves, other people um, that adds to who we are. And back to your, you had said, do you think that it comes in stages? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. And the reason I say that is, I think that when we experience something, we experience everything coming at us at one time, right? So whether it's guilt, shame, angerness, happiness, joy, right? We're all capable of feeling that at any single moment. And some, and what I've come to believe is like, you can feel it all at one time, but in order to kind of process it, that's what comes in stages, right? So mm. you talked about feeling guilt and shame, right? The way that I've been taught from a coaching standpoint, it's rooted in the seven levels of energy. The first level is that victimhood, that guilt, that shame. The next level, is anger, resentment, judgment, competition. The next level is rationalization, compromise, collaboration. And the whole point is when you're feeling or when you're experiencing some of those energies to get someone from one energy level to the next, it's hard to go from one to six because yeah. they're so different. So when I say it, it's yes and no, you like you can feel it all at one time, but in order to process it, it does go in stages. That's really interesting. And it kind of made, it, it makes sense as you describe that. I mean, I look at a similar thing when it comes to just a spectrum, even with any single range of emotions, you know, cause there's, there's not only one angry, it's angry, there's rage, there's all these other components. And what I've learned is that recognition really becomes key and awareness in, in observing which stage am I at and how close am I to the source or to the root to be able to solve whatever it is that I might be experiencing. Yeah, you bring up a great point that yes, there are so many different motions in each of what, you know, as I understand the levels, right? You know, and guilt and shame, while in the same level are totally different things, right? You know, they bring yeah. about completely different um, emotions within you, even though they are emotions, right? But they bring about different, they manifest differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're right. And, and, and it's a matter of figuring out the root. And I don't know about you, but I, I will stop myself and say, okay, why am I angry right now? Or why am I pissed off? Or what is going on in me right now? Or what's inside my head that's making me feel rage in this moment? Um, And it's oftentimes I find that when I just ask that question and I name the emotion, it gets me closer to what the source is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say based on the work that you do right now, what whole, what purpose has it helped you fulfill? Ooh. Oh God. Um, Why do you do what you do? Yeah. I such a good, like so many thoughts are going through my mind. You know, I've always said um, one of my, the thing that brings me the most joy in life is watching other people excel 
but excel in an area where they thought it wasn't possible. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced like being around someone where they have learned how to do something that they didn't think they could do and you just see their face light yeah. up or you, you, you can see the elation just come through them. And I love that. And I love when, I, I, I can't even describe what I feel when it happens, but it's just watching someone else break through a barrier that they thought they couldn't get through and they finally reach the other side or at least push their way through it. And just the emotion that comes with that literally brings tears to my eyes. Uh, and so that's why I coach. I mean, just the other day I was coaching someone and she had a tremendous breakthrough. And one of the things as a coach is to have that kind of detached involvement is to, to be there with your client, but try not to take on what's going on for them. And I'm an empath. So, I mean, that's almost damn near impossible for me. So I'm on the other end of the phone, like wiping away tears, trying not to have it come through my voice because I do it over the phone for that specific reason. Um, you know, I'm trying to hold it all back because she just had this tremendous aha moment of, oh my God, I couldn't see this for myself. And all I did was ask one, one question. And it just blew her entire world. And that's why I do what I do. It's so fascinating how questions can trigger so many of the breakthroughs and changes in life. I begin to, when I realized that, I really started to tap into it. And instead of me creating spaces where I tell you, okay, here are the five tips to success or whatever the roadmap is, it just ask questions. You know, it's create a space for people to figure out on their own. Like, what does this mean to you? How do you process certain things? Because there's so many different perspectives. You know, your version of success is different from my version of success or happiness or whatever else that we might be seeking. So I, I, I struggle when I see blanket statements. Mm -hmm. You know, we all need to strive for this type of success or have this much money or be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z by the time we're 20, 30, 40, 50 it's like, who's to say any of that? Right. It, you, you bring up something so funny because, you know, I, I've taken on that same kind of philosophy and I can't tell you how much I piss off my husband with that kind of stuff because he's like, can you just have an answer? Can you just give me something? <laughs> no, I can't because it's going to be from my point of view, not yours. Right. And so I often ask him questions. He's like, can you just stop asking me questions? Like, no, because it's not my place to to insert what you think might be the best for you. Um, and, and we've talked about this. I, I do it with my sons as well. One's nearly 10, he'll be 10 next week. And one's seven and their little brains. I mean, as much as I'm like trying to get them, you know, their brains thus far are not as developed. So those kind of look at me like, what? <laughs> but it's so different than right now where they are in school in terms of their teachers and their coaches, right? So trying to get them to be um, I hate to say a little bit more streamlined, but right. I mean, when you've got 20 right. kids in the classroom, I mean, what else are you going to do? Um, and I actually have a, uh, an example of that. My, my younger son, uh, extremely energetic and doesn't necessarily listen very well and can just kind of bounce all over the place. And his coach, his swim coach approached me the other day. It's like, I don't want to stifle his personality but I also want to find a way that we can kind of work together. And I just appreciated him coming to me and saying, Hey, we have a challenge. We've got to figure this out. 
but at the same time, I don't want to stifle him. I don't want to put him in a box. I don't want him to, I don't want to tell him how he needs to be. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's, I don't think much older than 30. Yeah. Trying to support this seven-year-old be who he's meant to be and find a way to meet him where he is. And to me, I, I, that almost brought tears to my eyes too, because I thought, well, thank goodness that we're here and that he is a coach like this. that's going to teach him how to be himself within some framework, right? Um, and not stifle him. Yeah. How do you understand that? What does that mean to be yourself? You know, I've struggled a lot to really be myself for most of my life. Uh, and a lot of that has been, I didn't know how to use my voice. Um, I'm a very direct communicator. So when I came to the corporate world, that was when I would want to use my voice, it came out very direct and I would get kind of hand slapped for that. Um, but even before, even it, it, I struggled to use my voice to begin with. So when I would come out and be direct and then I got my hand slapped for it, it then, you know, kind of um, put me back into my box. So for me specifically to be myself is to be able to use my voice um, with power, with compassion, with love, and with empathy, and without judgment. But here's the tricky part. Judgment comes from other people, and that mm -hmm. judgment is rooted in who they are, right? So if I can come at it with love, compassion, empathy, um, and from my soul and being completely authentic. That's what it means to be me. So. It's a really interesting point for a couple of reasons. So judgment, that's something that I, judgment and I have a complicated relationship. Um, <laughs> and it's not necessarily because, you know, I, I try as best as I could not to judge others. And the reason why is because I can still remember that feeling of being judged. So I'm, I don't truly don't want to pass that upon anyone else. But what I realized is that there's certain elements of judgment that are, you know, they just happen. They're unavoidable. Cause I think that's one of the beauties. It's kind of like a blessing and a curse of the human experience is that you have, you truly have no idea how someone is going to respond to you or react, or what they're going to say. And even in the situations where I, I used to believe that, okay, someone may say X, Y, and Z, but I still have a choice in um, how I respond, that there's situations where I lose it. You know, I lose control over that. And I let the emotions take over. And so it kind of just puts me back in the at square one as far as like, who's who were you to think that you had all, all the control over this whole human experience? <laughs> um, but that, that's been an interesting one to understand. When you think of judgment and your own, based on your own personal experience of when you have judged, I'm assuming that you have, yes. um, <laughs> where do you think that came from? Yeah, I've done a lot of work in this area. And this is probably one of the first aha moments I had when I really started when I started coaching or, or to be coached, uh, mine was rooted in how much judgment I was passing on myself. Um, so I, I, I label myself as a recovering perfectionist. Uh, along with that, I hated disappointing my parents growing up. So 
with that came a lot of guilt and shame because what we were talking about before, like I should have done this or God, I should have done something differently. Or, I should have known better, right? Those thoughts went through my mind constantly as a child because I never wanted to disappoint my parents. And so I just got into this pattern of constantly judging myself and putting myself down and saying, well, Lauren, you could have done so much better. You knew, you knew better than that. Why couldn't you do that? And it became so ingrained in me that when I looked at somebody who either had something that I wanted or that maybe unconsciously I didn't know I wanted, but they were just, you know, just snap judgment. I was judging them just to make the level playing field so that I didn't feel so terrible about myself. And if I could judge them and say, well, you know, they could have known better too, then it just made me feel a lot better. And it wasn't until I started to remove the judgment or release the judgment from myself that I started to be able to look at people and say, oh, well, they're on a, you know, they're just as human as I am. They're, they're going along a journey that either could potentially be way more painful than mine right now. I don't know anything about it. How can I sit here and judge someone that I literally know nothing about? Mm-hmm. Very true. Lauren, what's the best way that people can connect with you and find out more about what you do? Yeah. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time. Um, so Lauren Ammon on LinkedIn. Uh, and then also very easily laurenammon.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook and uh, Instagram under Mrs. Lauren Ammon. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week. Thank you.